We've done this before. We're going to do it again. This is the Hot Topics edition. This maritime professor is taking a much-needed beach vacation. And while we're waiting on some of the OSWA 22 directed rulemakings out of the Federal Maritime Commission, I thought I'd take inventory of what's going on out there <clears throat> and break it down in a captain's log. There's a lot going on, so let's talk ship. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the weekend supply chain, presented by the Maritime Professor. Me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of The Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there is no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. So usually we start out with our top three stories of the week. But this week, all our stories are top stories. So let's get into my captain's log and take inventory of this week. For story number one, this week, the Port of New York and New Jersey announced a new container imbalance fee because they are up to their eyeballs in empty containers. So Michael Angel out of uh, JOC reported at JOC.com that the port saw a 70% increase a 70% increase in the number of empties in 20, 2022. And it has gridlocked the port, according to the chairman of the Association of Bi-State Motor Carriers. So diving into this a little bit more, the Federal Maritime Commission released information that FMC Chairman Dan Maffei and Managing Director and actually Acting Director of the Bureau of Enforcement, Investigations, and Compliance at the FMC, Lucille Marvin, visited Newark and met with representatives from the trucking community and marine terminal operators. The commission reported that last week, both NITLI, National Industrial Transportation League, and the Bi-State Motor Carriers Association sent formal correspondence to the FMC, and they raised concerns about equipment availability and emergent detention charges. So the groups were actually urging the commission to suspend detention and demurrage at the Port of New York and New Jersey. I keep saying this, but the FMC is leaning all the way in here. They want to find out what's going on. And so that's what they did. They went up to the Port of New York and New Jersey to find out firsthand what's going on. Chairman Maffei and Lucille Marvin, acting director of the Bureau of Enforcement, Investigations and Compliance, went up there. So after the meeting, Chairman Maffei said the following statement. And I quote, when ocean carriers continue to bring thousands of containers per month to a port and only pick up a fraction of that number, it creates an untenable situation for terminals, importers and exporters, trucking companies, and the port itself. The commission has already been investigating reports of carriers charging per diem container charges, even when the shipper or trucker cannot possibly return the container due to terminal congestion. Chairman Maffei continues, I will ask that the investigation be broadened and intensified to cover instances where shippers and truckers are being forced to store containers and move them without proper compensation. So he's saying, look, I hear you. If you're getting stuck with empties and then they're charging you 
even though you are taking care of their empties for them. That's not right. That's what he, I mean, essentially that's what he's saying here. He's saying, we're going to look into this because you shouldn't be quote forced to store containers or move them without proper compensation that he's saying that shippers and truckers are being forced. The FMC saw what happened on the West coast and now they want to stay ahead of it on the East coast. I commend them for this. So chairman Maffei continued on the, the press release put out by the federal maritime commission. Chairman Maffei continued, the commission will ask the carriers that have fallen the most behind in picking up their empties, what their plan is to rectify the situation. Whatever their answers may be, Chairman Maffei continues, I will do everything in my power to ensure carriers do not receive involuntary subsidized storage for empty containers that belong to them. If it can be shown that a shipper or a trucker is not allowed to return a container, then not only should they not be charged per diem, but the carrier should compensate that trucker for the space it takes up. I'm going to stop the quote right there. He's saying not only should the shipper or trucker not be charged per diem if if it's shown that a shipper or trucker is not allowed to return the container, he's also saying the carrier should compensate that trucker for the space it takes up. Okay, I'm going to continue on with the quote. So Chairman Fay continues, this is completely in line with the incentive principle set forth by the commission in its rules in that it would promote the movement of cargo since chassis and space would be freed up by carriers taking full responsibility for the empty containers resulting from the increased volumes of import cargo they bring in. So did you hear that? Not only does he want you to not pay for bogus detention. He does not want shippers or truckers paying for bogus detention per diem charges. But he says you should probably get reimbursed for having to keep these empties when you can't return it because ultimately that's a burden on you. I mean, I'm jazzed up. I think this is cool. I told you, I told you the FMC gets it. They are trying. And while they're remaining neutral, obviously they're remaining neutral here. They also want it to be fair, and they're starting to find these very specific instances that are not small instances. They're large occurrences. They're finding them. Chairman Maffei and the rest of the commissioners, I think, are great people. They, you know, they really want to fix this. And not only do I just trust that they want to fix this, but I've, I'm seeing their activity. They are trying. They're digging in. There was a problem up at New York, New Jersey, and they said, let's get in the car and go up there. I mean, I don't know if they drove up. Maybe they did. Maybe they trained. Who, who knows? They got there. They went up there and said, there's a problem. Let's go check it out. I believe they're going to be making appreciable impacts through these different movements. I think that this is really encouraging. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're still having to clean up what's happening on the West Coast, but I they don't want this to happen on the East Coast. Can you imagine if we had both, I mean, basically gridlock on the West Coast, and now they're saying there's gridlock on the East Coast? I mean, how, 90% of everything goes by ocean shipping. If we can't get 90% of everything, I mean, you think the shelves are bare now. I mean, that that's that's a big, big, big problem. Um, I don't know. I, look, I'm excited here. I'm encouraged. So, so what exactly is the Port Authority doing then? Well, so this week they um, announced that a container imbalance fee is going to be assessed on ocean carriers that do not evacuate empty containers that are taking up sorely needed space for arriving imports and impede overall port productivity. So under its new container management fee, so this container imbalance fee, which is going to be assessed quarterly. So it's going to be assessed quarterly. Um, it says ocean carriers total outgoing container volume must exceed or equal equal or exceed 110% of their incoming container volume during the same period. So they're saying basically the, the balance should be um, close to the same with a 10% window 
or they're going to be assessed a fee of $100 per container for failing to hit that benchmark. Incoming and outgoing containers include both loaded and empty containers, excluding rail volume. So look, I'm I'm okay with this. I don't love hyper demurrage or detention rules. They are giving a 30 days notice. Um, you know, they, they, they did put that out in advance of, of the 30 days notice. They said with compliance of, of federal requirements, which is true. Um, <clears throat> this may be a situation where we wait to see if it's actually used or if it's a threat like it was or is continues to be, I guess, on the West Coast. And if it's actually assessed, um, it's going to be assessed quarterly. So, I mean, we might not see the impacts of this for a while. Um, you know, either way. The port's entering into this clearly with the FMC close by. So I'm not as concerned about it as some of the other FMC compliance areas. Um, I, you know, but I'm not going to give them a pass. I'm going to keep watching it. I, you know, I, like I said, I don't love hyper demurrage. I love that the FMC is getting more involved here and that they're staying very close and that they're going to be doing their own investigation to make sure that they're checking this out. I mean, if empties are not allowed to be returned, you shouldn't be charged for having to like hold on to somebody else's stuff. <clears throat> I'm encouraged. So story number two, the FMC is actually restructuring a little bit. Did you hear this? The Federal Maritime Commission is restructuring its investigation and enforcement structures. And I like it. You know, look, I will be critical of the FMC as well, but they're doing some good things. And I like this new change. So just this week, the FMC released information about an office restructuring plan. So the Bureau of Enforcement, we've talked about them before a lot. The Bureau of Enforcement will now be the Bureau of Enforcement, Investigations, and Compliance, the BEIC. <laughs> so it's Enforcement, Investigations, and Compliance, effective immediately. Basically, as soon as they dropped that press release, the office was created. The BEIC office, so Enforcement, Investigations, and Compliance, will have three divisions within it. Expectedly, an Office of Enforcement, obviously, an Office of Investigations, and an Office of Compliance, as the name suggests. Um, what was interesting, though, I've talked about the area representatives before. We, we covered it a few weeks ago on my podcast, By Land and By Sea. Um, the area representatives will now be investigators, which is kind of part of their role. It's That's what they've essentially always been, but they've also had a little bit of like an outreach community side of it. So any public outreach elements that they used to have will now actually be handled by the Office of Consumer Affairs and Dispute Resolution Services. So they are streamlining these area representatives to now be essentially area investigators. All right. I like it. They're saying these people who are closer to the industry, they're located all across the country. You have New York, you have Miami, um, you have, I believe there's a Houston, you have a, a LA Long Beach. They're, they're in kind of all these major areas. They're supposed to be closer to the industry. And so having them be investigators, not only are they close to the industry, they're closer to the, the action, their boots on the docks, if you will. But now they're specifically tasked with being investigators only. They don't have to do that public outreach element. I think it's cool. I think this is a good idea. You know, I think obviously public outreach, you still want that element. I think they're still going to be involved um, with the community, but now they are investigators. This says to me that the FMC is rolling up their sleeves and ready to get really active. There's bad stuff being mentioned is happening out there. And if people won't bring the info of bad acting to them, the FMC they have a duty to go out there and get it and get the info on the bad acting and investigate it. And that's what they're starting to do. They're going to be fair in their investigations. I said that before. I'm going to say it again. But this will enable them to go deeper with their investigations. You know, last week they had their FMC commission meeting. Um, 
with only seven, they mentioned that there were only seven charge complaints, only seven filed through the new charge complaints process. Um, we're going to talk about that in a second. But the FMC needed to reprioritize its investigation arm and not only to support the new charge complaints and their investigatory nature, but to really get a handle on the complaints of opportunism and profiteering. I mean, these there's complaints, you know, they got to look at them, but there's a lot of instances of, of stories coming up talking about this profiteering that are being raised by in, by the industry. So now they're saying, okay, let's restructure. We're going to go for it. We're going to go check it out. We, you're telling us there's a problem. They know there's a problem. They're saying, let us know the specifics of the problem. We're going to go check it out. So I, I like this. I like this new office of enforcement, investigations, and compliance. And I like that the area reps are now being kind of re, recalibrated to be investigators. So story number three, charge complaints. This isn't a new story. I just thought that it was important as part of my captain's log to kind of take inventory of what's happened in the last couple of weeks. I covered charge complaints a few weeks ago, but let's revisit that. So the FMC released an industry advisory for interim guidance for submitting charge complaints. So what are charge complaints? It's a new creation under the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022. Charge complaints, essentially that. It's a term, charge complaints, they're capitalized C's, but they're complaints of charges. Like if you have a charge that you're like, this this seems bogus, this is a way that you can file with the FMC um, a complaint against that process So, or, or a complaint against that charge. So parties interested, this is from the announcement from the FMC, parties interested in filing charge complaints at the commission may do so by following the following steps. And they put this out because now they're responsible for charge complaints. And instead of waiting forever, they wanted to get this mechanism going. They're probably going to refine this, but they wanted, they, they said this was interim guidance. They're sending it out. They want you to send them complaints about your charges. Uh, you know, at the FMC commission hearing the other or meeting the other day, they actually were starting to kind of talk about chairman Maffei was talking a little bit about. So what does charge mean? We're kind of assuming it, it means detention and demerge, but does that mean any charges? They might be looking at that too. But for now, you know, for now, it just submitted. We'll see, you know, I mean, and like I said, this is not legal advice. This is for educational purposes only. But I encourage you, if you have a complaint against a charge, I mean, this might be a great mechanism for you. So what do you do if you have a complaint, a charge complaint? You identify the common carrier, you identify the specific alleged violations of the Shipping Act, and there's two different areas that the FMC outlines. It's section 41102 and 41104 under um, Title 46. So there's some specific language. Take a look at it. Like I said, if you need legal advice, go contact an attorney, find out specifically. But this isn't necessarily supposed to be a very burdensome legal legal process um, from the way that I understand it. Basically, if you have a specific alleged violation of the Shipping Act, if you have something that you think has happened, go check out those language. Just Google that 46 USC 41102 and 41104A. Um, you know, obviously, the if you have legal questions, contact an attorney, but you'll see what those sections generally say. So they want you to identify the specific alleged violation. Um, they also want you to gather and submit supporting documentation as appropriate, including, but not limited to, but including invoices, maybe bill of lading numbers, evidence of whether the charges have actually been paid. And they want you to actually confirm that the disputed charge was incurred on or after the enactment of the OSHA Shipping Reform Act of 2022. So remember, that was June 16th. So your charge complaint, the, the complaint that you have against this charge must have happened 
after June 16th. Um, that's just for this mechanism. That doesn't mean that the FMC doesn't have other ways for you to challenge charges. But for using the charge complaint new process, it has to have happened after June 16th, 2022. Um, so what recourse do you have from actually filing this charge complaint? You could get a refund of your charges paid or even a civil penalty issued against the common carrier. So the FMC actually notes here, though, that this is a law enforcement mechanism and that formal and informal complaints. So basically bringing a suit to the FMC through their formal or informal complaints process is still available. This, this charge complaints is a law enforcement mechanism. So story number four. Don't forget, there were some immediate effect areas of OSRA 2022. Like I said, we're kind of taking inventory of some of the things that have happened recently. And so June 16th, when Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022 passed, there were some areas that had immediate effect. And the very prescriptive, statutorily required details that are now required on all detention and demerge invoices was one of those areas. Look, don't believe me? The Federal Maritime Commission actually came out with an advisory that said, and I quote, certain provisions of the statute became effective immediately upon enactment with no allowance for a phase in period. Regulated entities must comply with all relevant statutory requirements. Look, an opinion of the general counsel also was released stating that the self-executing, so immediately effective sections of the Ocean Shipping Reform Act were, and I quote, prohibitions on assessing non-compliant charges or issuing non-compliant invoices for demerge or detention charges, as well as the new requirements related to demerge and detention invoices. They're saying this section is in effect and you're required to comply with it. So, so what was that section? We've talked about it a few times on the podcast, but like I said, we're taking inventory of what's going on in, uh, in this captain's log today. So what's required on all detention and demerge invoicing? The date that the container is made available the port of discharge, the container number or numbers for exported shipments, the earliest return date, the allowed free time in days, the start date of the free time, the end date of free time, the applicable detention or demerge rule on which the daily rate is based, the applicable rate or rates per the applicable rule, the total amount due, the email, telephone number, or other appropriate contact information for questions or requests for mitigation of fees. And let me just stop there. This contact information, I've actually been hearing a lot about. So the contact information might be there, but nobody's answering the phone. <sighs> That's a problem too. That's a problem. I, you know, collect that information. I, it's, it's, I'm not sure exactly how you would prove that that's happening. Um, like I said, specific legal questions, specific legal matters, contact an attorney. Um, but that, especially if that's happening, is a problem that the FMC needs to be made aware of as well. That's something that the FMC is going to have to handle because just having a bogus number that nobody answers, that's not okay. That is not compliant. That is not the spirit of the rule here. They want it so that you, can, you have somebody to call and contact if you have a question and you really want to contest the charges, whatever it is. And then there were two statements that were required to be on all invoices, a statement that the charges are consistent with any Federal Maritime Commission rules with respect to detention and demerge, and a statement that the common carrier's performance did not cause or contribute to the underlying invoice charges. Talked about this before. I don't love that second statement because what if it's the Marine terminal? What if it's the port that's assessing the detention and demerge invoice? So a statement that the common carrier's performance did not cause or contribute to the underlying invoice charge saying the common carrier's performance didn't have anything to do with this. Maybe it did. If you're the, if you're the port or you're the terminal and you're assessing that charge and maybe it was the common carrier's fault 
And now you're saying it wasn't their fault. I, I don't love, I, I get what was happening here. I get what they were trying to do. Um, it's, it doesn't fit all scenarios. And so actually what was happening with this specific section of Azra was this is currently required, but the FMC's rulemaking process could potentially make some changes here um, and could potentially um, update and amend these. But these are, like I said, self-executing this started right away. Um, if the invoices don't comply with this, they're defunct. Uh, like I said, generally educational purposes here. This is very specific to legal cases. If you have a specific legal question, contact an attorney. I can't say it enough, but this is a really interesting area of the law right now. This immediately effective, very specific statutory requirement from Congress on what detention and demerge invoice billings need to have included. I mean, that's, that's very specific. That's, that's, I was very, it's great. Now we have some guardrails. Now we have some baseline. Obviously you would think the total amount due of course should be on an invoice. Now we have some baseline guidance that we can build from, but I mean, that's very specific. So look, story number five and the last item, have you heard by Landed by Sea is now a podcast? <laughs> look for it wherever you get your podcasts. Add this one to your rotation. I reference my old shows quite a bit. You know, I covered a few highlights today on charge complaints and on the immediately effective detention and and demerge billing invoice requirements. I went into them in more detail in previous episodes. You can go download all my old shows. It's on demand. You can get up to speed on on pretty much all the big topics that are happening and will probably continue to happen in the global supply chain and global ocean shipping world. And certainly I'm keeping track of what the FMC is doing. We got to keep involved. There's some rulemakings that are about to be coming due. Um, I talked about this last week. The FMC, I interpreted initiate a rulemaking as they need to publish the text. They, they, it seems like interpreted initiate a rulemaking as start the process. I don't think they're going to be lagging behind. Um, but my whole, it's going to happen on 30 days immediately. I, I always expected it to slide a little bit. That's fine. It's coming. They're, they're working very quickly on the three different areas of the rulemaking um, that they are now required under Azra to initiate. And I mean, the first rule that's up, um, the, the uh, vessel space unreasonable refusal to deal, that's due to be done. I mean, that, that you can't, there's no different uh, interpretation of that. That's due to be done in six months. And they've actually come out and said, we will be completed with this rulemaking. Um, they've also released some information saying they're going to be coming out with a notice of proposed rulemaking instead of an advanced notice of proposed rulemaking. Remember, last spring, April 2022, we saw the advanced notice of proposed rulemaking come out for detention and emerge billing practices. What that was, was they put out some general thoughts to the industry and said, comment, let us know. We don't have the specific text yet, but we hear some ideas. We'd love your feedback. The next step of that will be the notice of proposed rulemaking. It's going to be not so here's some thoughts. What are your, what are your comments? It's going to be, here's some text. Here's some proposed text that we have put together that will likely turn into the rule. What do you think industry? That's the, that's the mechanism. That second step is where we will be going for the unreasonable refusal to deal for um, vessel space. The first rule that's coming out and, and, Chairman Maffei has said that it will be coming out um, Im- immediately in, in the short term, uh, very quickly. So I expect it in the next few weeks, I mean, probably before Labor Day. Um, it sounds like they're very close. So what that rule will be presented as is a notice of proposed rulemaking, not the advance notice, 
the notice, the second mechanism. And that is text of a rule that will be coming out, proposed text of a rule that will be coming out. It will still have a comment period. So you still need to pull together your thoughts on how you'd like that to to ultimately be. If you like the text that comes out, great, respond to it. If you have specific examples of where, you know, that maybe the text doesn't totally solve your problems. Okay, great. Put that in a comment. Put your comments together. Bring your thoughts together on vessel space accommodations and refusal to deal and see if the language that they propose matches up and, and would potentially solve your problem. If not, Put your thoughts together and submit it. You know, you can let them know, here's my thoughts. It doesn't quite get the the crux of my problem. And I think that the language can be changed. Like I said, pull your thoughts together. They want to hear from the industry here. As always, the guidance here is general. And for educational purposes, it should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you do have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal, e-learning, and general industry information and insights, come visit me at The Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. If you missed any previous videos, all of my videos and all my episodes are on demand on my podcast by Land and by Sea, presented by The Maritime Professor. And the videos live on my YouTube page by Land and by Sea. Like I said... You can go through, you can see all my old episodes. You can check out what I've done before. But while you're at it, also go check out our website, themaritimeprofessor.com. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, The Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Land and By Sea. See you next time.